1: Hello Giants fans and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host Ed Valentine of Big Blue View and today is a special Sunday edition of the Valentine's Views podcast. You might be wondering why I'm coming to you on a Sunday during the New York Giants bye week when they're not playing a game. I'm I'm bringing you today's episode Because I was able to do an interview recently that I'm really excited about that I simply don't want to wait to share with you. Had an opportunity to speak with former Minnesota Vikings general manager and former Tennessee Titans president Jeff Diamond, who was NFL executive of the year back in 1998, I believe it was. You know, you guys get, uh, you guys hear my opinion on, on Dave Gettleman, on Pat Shermer, on play calling, on who should be back and who shouldn't be back, on Daniel Jones' future. You hear my opinion on all of those things all the time here on the Valentine's Views podcast. You read them at Big Blue View. So I thought it would be an, a great opportunity, you know, to speak with Jeff. You speak with someone who's been inside the, the meetings and inside the kinds of decisions that the New York Giants have to make going forward. So, you, Jeff was was great to you know great to give us some time and uh, and answer a lot of our questions. So, let's get right to my interview with Jeff Diamond, who covered a lot of, uh, of really interesting territory regarding the Giants. All right, Giants fans, joining us now is former Minnesota Vikings general manager, former Tennessee Titans president, and former NFL executive of the year, Jeff Diamond. As we Kind of break down the state of the Giants, uh, Jeff. Thank you very, very much for uh, for spending some time with me.
2: Sure, happy to do it.
1: Hey, so, you know, let's let's get right into this with with the Giants. We're as we talk right now, the Giants are on their bye week. They're two and eight. The results on the field haven't been what anyone had hoped for. When, when you look at this Giants team is it possible to to say that that this team despite its its record is it possible to to look at this and say that they're making some progress
2: well it's always difficult in a two and eight season to to say that and obviously there's been a lot of things that have gone right to a certain extent and wrong to a greater extent this season for the Giants and and I think you start out, of course, with a rookie quarterback in Daniel Jones, and who I, I think has really good potential for the future. And but again, he's growing. He's going through his rookie growing pains. And uh, Giants have had a lot of turnovers, and and uh, he's thrown his share of interceptions, and that's been a problem. And I think that's the when you look at a team and why they're two and eight. Well, when the Giants lead the league in turnovers with 24 and a minus 12 turnover ratio that that's going to be a formula for disaster and, and that's kind of what's happened this season for the Giants and and Daniel Jones has a part in that but he's also had a part in some success and and I think he's been uh, impressive at times and I think he's got the, the kind of arm strength and and ability to become a really good player in the league but it, it usually takes time it it's uh, you look at a guy like Patrick Patrick Mahomes and it took him a couple of years and even to become a starter and 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 the success he had early on in Kansas City, but he also had a great supporting cast, and and that's kind of a question right now for for Daniel Jones. When you trade away an Odell Beckham, it's obviously going to weaken his support system and and the weapons that he's got to work with, and then Saquon Barkley misses uh, three or four weeks, and and that hurt the cause, too. So I think this this team has some potential for the future, definitely, uh, but it's going to take some time.
1: So, you know, I, you know, I think it's it's hard for Giants fans to, uh, to have that patience. It's been such a down stretch over the, the last few years. You know, one of the things that I've said is I wonder from an organizational perspective, from a team perspective, you know, General Manager Dave Gettleman has been very resistant to the word rebuild. He's he constantly says, "You know, we're just building. We're just going about this. We're just trying to get better. We're just building. It's not a rebuild. You know, we think we can win some games along the way. It just from an organizational perspective, would it have been better for the for the Giants to just acknowledge that, that yes, this is you know what it really is, and that being a rebuild?"
2: Well, I, th- I think it really goes without saying and and i think a general manager doesn't want to necessarily make that public proclamation so to speak but everybody knows what's going on when you have a rookie quarterback in there and and you've got a a veteran in eli who's who's sitting on the bench and will be gone after the season and so which will free up some cap room incidentally for the Giants to maybe go out in free agency, I think the key for them going forward is to make some great decisions in the draft, get some better support around uh, Daniel Jones to continue to, to bolster the defense. I like the move with Leonard Williams. I think the guy has has, has talent, and, and I think he's got a lot a lot of ability, and I think he can be helpful uh, in the future. And so there's some there's some things that, that some positives that are happening, but I think some of the things that have kind of jumped up to bite the Giants have been some of the free agent signs that were made in the past and, and I'm thinking of Solder for example, a tackle, a lot of money put into him and probably and not playing up to that contract and and then I think some of the money that was expended on deals that, that have become dead money deals on the cap such as a Damon Harrison deal and, and, and the Beckham deal that's chewing up a lot of cap room and they'll get rid of that at some point in the future, but right now for this year, that's a big part of their problem that there's so much dead money on that salary cap from, from guys that they had signed and then, and then gotten rid of.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a hard choice for you know for, for a general manager, I think for an organization. I think the Giants just sort of maybe for the good of their future kind of accepted the fact that that they were going to have to eat some of that dead money this year. And and that's that's a hard thing to do because you you make you do you make it harder on yourself in the short term, am I correct?
2: Yeah, well you you definitely do and, and sometimes you have to have to clean it up, so to speak, and and so I think that the mistakes obviously were made in the original signings when those guys don't pan out as great players and and so but it's hard when you spend big money on on free agents and and it just doesn't quite work out that they're not playing up to that ability and and so that's that's a difficult thing to have to absorb and it's uh, something that certainly the ownership doesn't look kindly upon when when that kind of money is spent and and the the return is not there for a team that's not having the success because of that and so that's I think that's a big part of what's been going on with the Giants, and and then you, then you look at that the loss of the Jets. I think really was a, a slap in the face for for John Mara, and and you could tell just seeing some of the video of him leaving the the locker room. He just very disenchanted with what, what happened that day, and and with a Jet team that was just floundering at that point, and and so and inner city rivalry and all that, and so that that in particular is, is a, a loss that really. Hurt, I think, uh, Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman.
1: Um, so you know, you, you mentioned Shermer and Gettleman, and obviously, in the wake of the Jets' loss, you, you get a lot of of public outcry. You get a lot of, you know, Pat Shermer has to go. Maybe the general manager has to go. Um, how does an organization, you know, once once that stuff sort of starts in the media, sort of starts in the fan base, do you do you pay attention to that? Do you just turn a deaf ear to that? If if you believe you have the right guys, is there, how do you handle, you know, all of that that quote unquote, I guess, outside noise?
2: It's uh, it's something that you can't avoid as a as a an owner team president or whatever the case may be so it's out there definitely and a big part of of how i would always judge coaches is partially on image and maintenance of the football team and all those type of things and you talk about maintenance of the team well the one loss record is directly reflective of that and image is what what the uh viewpoint is out in the community and and do, does the, the fan base and the season ticket holders and the suite holders and the sponsors—they think the team's headed in the right direction with this coach or not—and those are some of the things that are going to factor in when when John Mara makes his decision on Pat Shermer and on Dave Gentleman and what's been going on there—and and so we'll see how it shakes out. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I do know that the Giants are are one of the patient organizations i think john is a thoughtful guy i know john and and i think he's very similar in approach to the way the roonies look at things in pittsburgh for example Uh, it's not a knee-jerk reaction if he thinks that indeed there needs to be a change made then he'll make the change he's not going to do it only because of of a of a public or media proclamation or outcry about it and i think i think uh, john mayor will look at at what goes on in Pittsburgh, for example, and I know he's close to, to our Rooney, and look at what, what happened with Pittsburgh earlier this year when they start out 0-2 and they lose Roethlisberger and, and have a change of quarterback. Uh, now, the Giants didn't lose Eli to injury, but they had a change of quarterback. And then you look at, at Pittsburgh. Uh, they were 1-4 and at one point, and everybody's calling for Mike Tomlin's head in Pittsburgh and and saying that he's got to go and all kinds of outcry there. And of course, uh, Art Rooney and Kevin Colbert, the GM, were—you were, didn't hear them talking about it. They're not going to make comments on uh, on their their coach. And, and Mike Tomlin certainly has a, a lot longer track record than Pat Shermer. We know that, and he's won Super Bowls. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl. Has been to the playoffs nine times. And then the Steelers turned things around. And until last night, of course, which was a kind of a, a dud that they laid in, in Cleveland. But they're not out of it yet, and so I think that as a long, long way of saying, I, I believe that that John Mayer will make the call based on what he believes and and what he sees with his own eyes, and not necessarily what he hears and reads, and and um, what the fan base is saying or what the media is saying.
1: All right, I wanted to ask you, Jeff. You know, one of the criticisms that we've been hearing lately here, you know, around New York is that we haven't heard from Dave Gettleman, you know, media-wise or publicly. We haven't heard from him since the very beginning of training camp. Is that, you know, especially with the Williams trade, with the change, you know, with the change from, you know, from Eli to Daniel Jones, you know, with the 2 and 8 record and all of that, and I don't know, I mean, I, how, I, I guess the question is, how often did you speak, you know, publicly to, to the media? And and would it behoove Dave, you know, to speak to the press about his feelings about some of these things, or, or does it really not matter?
2: I, I think it's a mistake not to speak to the media. I, I was always available anytime and made myself available and, and, would talk on what was going on, whether it was a, a great season or a not-so-good season, and and just give my thoughts if I was asked about it. And and so I, I may not tip my hand on what I'm thinking about the coaching staff or whatever of that, because that's the, the dreaded uh, situation when when you're giving a, a, a coach positive thoughts when it could turn out not to be that way. and And so I would never go that route uh and so but i i do think it's a mistake uh for dave not to be more front and center not to be talking to the media not to be visible and i think that that's something that is comes with the job description that that you're going to be available and and i would always be available in that situation and you can steer the the direction of the conversation however you want you don't have to be Making negative statements, you can you can accentuate the positive. You can talk about some of the good things that are happening. You can talk about uh, Daniel Jones' development. You can talk about uh, Saquon Barkley and and how of course he's a talented guy and and just needs a little more space. and 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 You can just talk about uh, guys like Slayton and, and what the future looks for him. and So there are some positive things that you can cover, but I think it's a mistake not to talk.
3: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
1: All right. So let me ask you you know, one of the things that Dave did not come out and talk about was the Leonard Williams trade. And, you know, you you said earlier that, that you liked that move. It was though sort of it, a little bit of a different move, you know, for a team I think the Giants were 2 and 6 at the time, a team that's in sort of rebuild mode with with young players. Was it an unusual move, or, it, you know, for the Giants to make to give up draft choices or do we still look at at Leonard Williams, you know, at, as as a young player with upside?
2: Oh yeah, I think he. You have to look at him as a young player with upside. That, that, at the time of the draft, some people thought he was going to be the first overall pick that year, uh, coming out of uh, out of USC. And, and I think that he's a guy that, that yeah, you got to, you got to say that hey, it he he is a, a talent. There's no doubt about it. And for whatever reason, the Jets let him go if they thought the trade compensation was so great, or they were. Afraid of signing him to a long-term deal, and didn't think that that was in the cards, and and so whatever. But I think that that Leonard Williams is, is a talented player, and and I think that that yeah, it was um, a trade that that I think could can benefit the Giants over the long haul.
1: The flip side of that, though, is do you put yourself When you make a trade like that, we we know that Williams can be a free agent at the end of the year. Do you put yourself in a situation where, you know, we talked about a little bit about bad contracts and dead money. Do you put yourself in a situation where you pretty much are forcing yourself into a spot where you're going to have to overpay this guy because then, to me, you kind of look like you, you end up with egg on your face if he doesn't re-sign with you, and you've lost two draft picks.
2: Yeah, and that could that could well be a situation, or uh, they could slap a transition tag on him, which would be expensive, or a franchise tag, and that's that's always an option that you can do that. But we'll we'll see how how that develops and what the situation is. It's just uh, obviously kind of a kind of a tough call on on that situation that you're after you have invested in the trade and but again it's they have the decision to make on what they want to do and if they decide that okay it's not it's not worth it then then they decide and but they they certainly have paid when you talk about paying a third round pick and a fifth round pick and I mean, those are those are not crazy, crazy draft picks to, to trade away, and and so it's not it's not something that's going to going to debilitate the franchise. It's not like trading a first and a second round pick. It's it's not the Herschel Walker trade that my predecessor in Minnesota made a few years back, and so it's, it's it's something that that they can they can overcome if they decide that that they don't want to resign them.
1: All right, Jeff, just a couple more questions for you. You know, we talked a little bit about Pat Shermer and the decision that the Giants face with him going forward. When you look at at the job that Shermer has done so far in New York, obviously the record's not good. And the one thing that, that, that people are talking about here in New York is if, if Pat's going to stay long-term, should he continue a, a, as the play caller? Um and, and I guess the question is, how do you feel about about you know coaches calling their own plays? Um, is that sort of a, a person by person thing? And, and could it could it benefit you know a guy like Shermer to to step back or to at the least you know maybe bring in you know an offensive coach who he trusts to bounce things off of something along that line?
2: I, I think it, it it varies, and there are plenty of coaches in this league that are having great success as play callers, and 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 so, if you look at around the league and and who's doing what, and and um, for example, who Pat worked for in Minnesota, Mike, Mike Zimmer still calls the defenses for the Vikings, and Vikings are are. Potentially playoff bound, likely playoff bound after beating Dallas, and and then you look at Matt Lafleur and in, in Green Bay and the kind of success he's having, and, and and Sean McVay is having kind of a, a rough go this year, but got the Rams of the Super Bowl last year calling plays, and and so it's I don't I don't think that is really necessarily a factor if he thinks that he has the best grasp of the offense and that, that he wants to be the play caller. Then so be it. I think and that's fine. It's just ultimately, I don't think it it really impacts what kind of head coach a guy can be. It, it'd be nice if he trusted someone enough that he could be the the guy as a head coach who kind of flew at thirty thousand feet and over was overseeing everything. It it is a lot to do, definitely. But I'm sure he's got people on his on his offensive staff that that are taking a lot of the leadership role and a lot of the meetings and so forth. And then he just, uh, come game day, he's calling the plays. So I don't think that's a big deal either way, honestly. And you look around the league and there are plenty of very successful teams that, that have a head coach who's calling plays. And if that's the way they want to they do it, then so be it. But uh, in, an, in an ideal world, I, I always liked, it, as a GM, I, I thought it, it was helpful to the head coach if he didn't have that responsibility, but if he thinks he's the best guy for the job then I would always endorse that.
1: All right, so last question for you. obviously we know that you know two and eight six straight losses lost to the Jets that the Giants are sitting on. things don't look the way that the Giants would like them to look right now, but they are they have played rookies for far more snaps than anyone else in the league. They do have Daniel Jones, you know, as their quarterback of the future. It looks anyway like they've had a couple of of pretty productive drafts. If if we talk about improvement or progress or going forward, would you still feel good, you know, about where this team is headed and, and their chances to be a much more competitive football team in 2020?
2: I think it's too soon to, to make that statement. I think that, yeah, they, they've added some pieces, but there's a lot of work to do. And and I think that it'll help them to have that cap cleaned out a little bit and, and not have the, the big acceleration and, and dead money from especially the Beckham deal and, and some of the other deals. And so they'll have an opportunity to, to kind of refortify, And not that free agency is a cure-all. It's not. It's. Uh, I think I still believe that, that you build through the draft primarily, and and you augment through free agency. And so they'll have opportunities to add some quality free agents, and and hopefully they'll turn out better than they did the last time with guys like Olivier Vernon and, and that, that crew, and and Damon Harrison. But we'll see. And so it's it's going to be incumbent on Dave Gettleman if he survives this that he's going to have to make better free agent calls and and obviously that that crew of Vernon and some of those other guys that was not his that was before he got there he was still in Carolina at that point and I I do believe Dave Dave Gettleman knows personnel he knows the business he's built winners before uh, helped with the Giants on a lot of their work in the past and of course the Panthers helped help build a, a top team there and so so we'll see how it shakes out but uh it's going to be, I think, the next draft and the next free agent class are really important for this Giants team to make a step forward.
1: All right, Jeff, thank you very, very much. Why don't you uh, tell folks? I know you're still doing some some writing these days. Why don't you tell folks where they can can find a little bit of your work?
2: Yeah, thanks, Ed. I'm I'm uh, writing for SportingNews.com, and and so you can. Can see my my recent articles. I, I wrote on Cam Newton and what the Panthers are are probably going to have to part ways with him and where he could end up landing in the future, perhaps, and and may have to take a kind of a different kind of contract structure. And JJ Watt situation in Houston, kind of similar, coming off the injury and and with a big salary. And what are they going to do down in Houston? And so uh, I think I, I just kind of comment on. On things around the nfl and what i see and and uh and so it's it's uh, it's fun to write for sporting news i do a lot of media work in the, in the twin cities uh, for WCCO radio and do a, a show with players and uh, every monday night and do a post-game show after every viking game so it, it's uh, it's fun i'm also in the agent business work with a, a firm out of minneapolis uh, ifa and uh and we have a uh, a really strong group of players around the league, including Adam Thielen, the Pro Bowl receiver with the Vikings, and Jonathan Allen with the Redskins, former first-round pick. Adrian Claiborne, former first-round pick in at Atlanta. Uh, we've got several Viking players, and and so it's a it, it's a fun to be a, kind of different to be on that side of the table after working as a GM and a team president for for many many years. But but uh, it keeps me in the mix, and I enjoy it.
1: All right, Jeff, we always enjoy talking to you, so thank you very much.
2: Thanks, Ed. Take care. All right, take it easy. You too.
1: All right, Giants fans, I hope you enjoyed that interview with with former Minnesota Vikings GM. Jeff Diamond, lots of great knowledge, lots of great insight there from Jeff. We always appreciate talking to him and we always appreciate the support from you guys. You know, without you guys, there's no, there's no podcast. There's no big blue view. So we appreciate your listening. We appreciate your reading. We, we always appreciate your support on all of our platforms and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye now.